Welcome to Parenting with Vanessa Clones podcast. Again, another interview with Carla Chianchi, who is over at the JCC. Want to introduce yourself, please? Hi, how are you, Vanessa? Carla Chianchi, site director at the Helen Diller Family Preschool at the JCCSF. Awesome to be with you again. Thank you. Well, a couple of things have come up. So I literally called Carla last night saying I've had three conversations in the last week regarding children's play skills and how I'm explaining to parents how there is a little bit of a developmental delay in play because and parents are saying no my child is at the playground they're playing tag what else are they doing they are you know playing next to the people but they're not really interacting with them you know they're also looking at you know the parents having to say hey go play with so-and-so and and not understanding that that you doing that is their prompt to do so. Am I right? Absolutely. And I laughed thinking she's only had three of these conversations because I have had these conversations throughout the pandemic. Our children are at, you know, there's a deficit. They don't know how to play anymore. Adults don't know how to interact socially anymore because of this (laughs) pandemic. You know, this is something that um, is a topic we talk about all the time. You know, this side-by-side parallel play is not interactive play. So thanks for opening this topic, and hopefully this will be um, of service and help to you all. So let's look at kids developmentally. So first, developmentally, when they're younger, you're going to see them, you know, playing side-by-side. You know, there's a lot of more imitation going on. And then this imaginary play comes in, right? And so then what else would you say, Carla, that you see with younger kids? Well, and with the younger ones, you know, I, I always remind families we're just about kicking off our tour season um, next month at all three of our campuses. And what I remind them is children make sense of the world around them through play. And so that's going to be dramatic play. That's going to be, you know, someone is the shop owner. Someone's the, uh, they love to be little baristas, right? Like they, they watch what we do and that's going to the coffee shop, ordering a coffee. They interact with each other that way. Um, all of this dramatic play, the house play, but, but here's the thing is, you know, there has to be that delegating, negotiating, turn-taking, otherwise it is not interactive play. And I think that's what you were talking about before. And I've talked to parents like, oh, well, you know, I walked into the classroom and my child's doing an art project at the table. I'm like, yes, they're doing an art project because they have their own paint set. Now, what happens if we do one, you know, art project and they have to share the colors and the paintbrush? How are they going to handle that? So those are the things you really want to look at. Are they turn-taking? Are they negotiating those skills? Are they able to do that? Or are they able to be next to a group and do their own activity by themselves because no one's in their way. Or do you have a child that wants to control the play and what they're doing all the time, but if you don't do what they want to do, you're, they're done. And then you have a huge explosive behavior and you're like, well, my kid does play because they're on the playground running around. And that's a different form of play. And I also see as kids get older, like you're looking at four year, four and five years old, they're going into other classrooms like TK and kindergarten. And they're seeing other kids that are developmentally ahead with their play skills. So then their self-esteem drops. So then you have to look at like, how do we support a child? Some basic turn-taking you know, I think that's even hard for some kids. And yesterday we did, I did an intervention where we were playing Zingo and like, what's Zingo? Zingo is one. Thank you very much. Like I don't Zingo. know what that is. You know oh, what Zingo? No, I don't. And you, yeah, you like two picture cards come out and you get to match it on there. So it's kind of like bingo, but Zingo. Ah, nice. And he just couldn't understand turn taking. So what I did instead was I put the, the red thing that you put the cards on. I gave it some distance. So he had a couple seconds and had a couple seconds to intervene and I gave him an object. So it was his turn. I gave him an object. It was my turn. I gave, and then he gave me the object back, but that's how we were able to do the basic turn taking. But you would think at four years old, a child should be able to do that. Well, with this pandemic, when you've been so isolated for so long and let's be honest, 
we're in the profession of working with children and this is what we do. I don't do tech. I don't do other things. So if you have a child that has needs, you're not going to know that off the bat. You have to almost educate yourself around your own child. Huge, huge. You know, and I think that's what people seem to forget. So, you know, what's, what's really interesting is I have these parents that are coming in, right, to tour for the preschool, and they're like, we're not really sure if we want to start them now or next year. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 now. You need to start them now because otherwise everyone has a year's worth of social skills on top of your child. And I look at the ones who have just started now at three and a half or at four, they are behind, right? Mm-hmm. Like someone else has had pretty much, you know, of the classroom has had a year's worth of social skills, you know, and as we get closer to that kindergarten readiness to everything else, but just basic life skills, you know, we have to kind of close the gap, right? So there's, there's a big gap there. And I I love what you're saying about, you know, putting the cart a little bit farther and making them kind of stretch for it, like work for it. That's the same reason why we put out like four pairs of scissors for seven children, right? We know that there's going to be a pain point. We know that somebody is going to have a, a tussle or a scuffle there, right? And that's that's actually um, where the magic happens and where children have to figure out how to negotiate and, and again, work on that, that pain point of there's not enough scissors for all of us. How do we take turns? And the other thing is, too, like if people are like, well, they act out and they don't want to deal with that. I totally get it. But that's the learning, right? That's the learning that's coming in. So when you have a child that you are, you know, scaffolding everything. And I talked to parents like, oh, they do really well with older kids. Of course they're going to do well with older kids. Older kids have more language. They have more skill sets. They can support the child more. So it's almost like that child has an anchor, just like you're that parent has an anchor for your child when they're going out and you're asking him, can you go play? And you're supporting them. These older kids do the same thing. Now the question is, can they ask you know, do blocks, build blocks together versus one child building a whole thing with their blocks and the other one not sure what to do. So they destroy it. Right. So if you're looking at play, like a lot of these kids are going to be destroying things and you're like, Oh, just do it. But really that's a sign to me that they are missing some, some basic play skills. And as that gap gets bigger, it's harder. And kids start to look at what other kids are doing. Their self-esteem drops. You have more behaviors. Then the whole thing is a cycle that goes on. And then the child is the one that get hurt, that is hurt because they don't know what else to do next. So these are all things you want to look at. And the more that you can actually facilitate social interactions, that that's, you know, not about, you know, playing tag outside and chasing because that you're like, oh, great, they're looking. But that is also a little bit development younger. And that you want to look at, like, can they maybe bake a cake at a house outside or go to the sandbox and like play with things? I mean, I had one little kid tell me, I'm not having a good day, Vanessa. You're making me share. <laughs> You're making me share too much. And there's not that many things at school. It's hard work. It is hard work. It's I don't want to do it. <laughs> It's here, you know, when I, when I meet parents and they tell me, you know, before we accept children at Helen Diller, they say, you know, she's really great. She loves to make friends in the playground and she, we go to Clay Street Park or Laurel Hill and, you know, she plays with peers her age. And I always say, well, what does that look like, right? What does play look like to you then? Play is not Vanessa asking and prompting me constantly, asking me, can you use that blue bucket or do you want the, the yellow shovel or let's see, you know, I'll use this first and then it's your turn. Play is the children actually doing that on their own, right? Figuring out when they're finished with their whole turn, um, when they're, you know, kind of needing or or, um, asking for another material, right? And having them work through those pieces of having to, um, you know, kind of that reciprocity is really important. And I think if you have younger kids, even older kids too, the the first step I would do for turn-taking is connect four, right? It's, It's different colors. You don't, it's not playing the game, but really it's 
just, and you can even block it by putting your hand on there. No, it's my turn, then your turn and vice versa by having an object go back and forth. Zingo is another great game that you can do. You know, also like baby play, like feeding a baby, doing other things with babies. Like what you, there's so many things that you can do that's real life to start the process of a child starting to use imaginary play with their friends, um, building things. But, you know, the other day I was actually got, I, I got, I was actually at the JCC and I got stuck because they, they had on all these um, blocks and I, and I, I don't have the best imaginary skills when it comes to blocks. For some reason, my mind is like, <laughs> eh. and Legos, forget it. So I was like, I go to the teacher. I'm like, what else can you do besides build a house? Like what else? Cause I'm like, obviously this child has the house down, but now we have to expand it. So like, how do we expand that versus the next day they go back and build a house. And then the next day they go back and build a house. So pay attention to if your kid's just doing the same thing over and over and over again. That repetitive play. Yeah. The repetitive play is where you're going to start to be like, oh, well, my kid is really struggling. Cause then you might see them destroy something later on because they're frustrated. Or if that repetitive play and another kid comes in and they're like, no way you're not playing with me. I know my ways. I have my rules. So the things to look for is like, you know, do 10 minutes a day, which I tell parents 10 minutes a day of like, okay, we're going to call this teaching play. And during those 10 minutes, yeah, it's going to get uncomfortable and it's, they might be a little messy at times, but that's when you can teach the turn taking as parents at home. Cause this can all start at home too. It doesn't have to be in the school setting or you can do a social skills group or you can consult with me. <laughs> The other other part too is like this, um, you know, you're talking about building this house with Legos, right? And there's going to be times where children can in the classroom work on that house or build that zoo or make that hospital or post office, right? Those are all the things I would build with Legos, I guess. Um, Who knows? And, you know, they can do all those things, but then it's going to be time to like go to music or go on a field trip or go, you know, kind of have to shift gears. One of the hardest things that I'm seeing now, um, you know, just the last couple of years in the pandemic is children having to switch switch gears and do like something like a group plan, right? And so it's like my plan versus the group plan. And so having to have that flexible brain and go follow the rest of the class to do something is where we see these like very big behaviors or a really big meltdown. And it's like, you know, kind of putting in that language now of, Let's have a flexible brain, you know, like Vanessa, you'll get to do, you know, you can build your house later, but right now we're going to music or it's like, we're following the group plan. It's really interesting to see how children are not able to, to pivot and kind of switch and kind of follow that. Yeah. And I have a, I have a kid in one of my schools and the family always goes to the zoo. And so when we went to the zoo, he had his plan and then we had our plan and he's he made it very clear that like his plan was the way to go. And let me, and so we've had to practice that because it's not always that way. So it just also looks in perspective, like how, how consistent are you at home with your child? Because you don't want to have a behavior or how much of your child taking the lead and you're like, oh, this is great. But how much of it is routine versus, you know, them actually being a part of the community and like getting that feedback of what do you want to do? And this is what I want to do. And that piece of being able to provide more Versus like, I have my schedule, it's my way or the highway kind of thing, which doesn't help when kids get older. And then also they don't have more, they, it's hard to make a friend with them because people don't want to have someone telling them what to do all the time. You know, that, that flexible thinking is a huge part of just social skills and like being able to work together in a team versus like, oh, I can do math in the corner. No problem. I can read, I can be by myself. And you'll find a lot of kids that have those social skills things going on that some problems that they'll be reading in the corner. They're going to be doing things that they know how to do independently, like a game or whatnot, you know, Minecraft or something. And that's it. Cause it's too hard, especially entering play. Like how do you go ask someone to play? And then the other thing to think about is if a child makes a mistake, you know, and then they're feeling guilty or bad, how do you repair that? And I have another podcast to go back and repair and how to work with children. Cause think about it. If they did something, 
something and maybe a teacher missed it, they're going home with that feeling that they made a mistake and they feel bad and the anxiety comes back into the next day. And this whole cycle continues. So it's really important to take a moment, pause, not rush, and do what's best for your child at that moment so they, they're able to move on and repair these relationships and not feel bad because, I mean, how often can this keep going? I, something I want to back up, Vanessa, can you talk a little bit um, more about entering play? You know, you mentioned that a couple of times, and I think this is something where we have to help children build that skill, have a little bit more of that vocabulary about how they ask someone to play, especially a stranger in a park um, or someone in a classroom that they don't know yet. You know, how would you maybe coach um, families to kind of go about that too, scaffold them about entering play? Right. And so when I say entering play, it's like a lot of times you'll see kids that were watching other children and they maybe like again I said building blocks they might go up and like destroy the blocks thinking oh this is fun we can do this and that's their way to enter versus saying can I play with you and I think some of this stuff could be with at home is that if you have a toy put your back to the child right you want your back to the child and then they have to either say ask you can you play but give them the language it's almost like if you say well what should you say I mean, come on now, let's think about this for a second. If they knew what to say, they're not going to say it. So I'm not going to ask a child, well, what should you have done in that in that moment? No, I'm just going to spoon feed the kid just like a toddler. Can I play with you? And you practice and you practice and you practice. And then you go from maybe a parent to the sibling to maybe another person that you might know and then out to the playground. But it's really important that you're there visually and like you can do this and this is how you're going to do it versus destroying everything that is doing it. Cause then the kid doesn't want to play with you. Then there's this whole thing that goes on and then the kid gets in trouble when the kid is like, I just wanted to play with them. And I don't, I don't know why. And sometimes they think that that's how you get you know, maybe in the past with another child, they learn that you could destroy. I mean, that could be something too, but not, that's not everybody. And I think that this is like something that we see in our classrooms, right? As we see a beautiful tower that's built or someone's been working really hard on something and a child might come up and, you know, not out of malice, but just knock it over. They're trying to get your attention. They want to interact with you. And, you know, Obviously, that's not the way to do it, but they don't have a language yet to say, mm-hmm. you know, this looks neat. Can I work with you? Or I, I want to play with you, right? So it's our job as the adults in their lives to help give them the language and model the behaviors of, of how we would integrate into that play. And the other thing, too, is if you're saying, like, well, my kid has that language, your kid doesn't have that language in certain moments. The impulsivity comes in, the processing stops, and they get anxious. So I think you're like, well, when they're calm, they can do it. It's just like when you tell someone to take a deep breath when they're in, like, their moment of, you know, their, their whole world just crashed, they're going to want to hit you. Um, so I'm just upfront about that. So in that moment, they're not going to have it. So, so the expectation that your child's going to have that language in a moment when there's five kids playing or even three, you know, another kid is a lot easier, you know, another to put a diet, but then you get a third kid in there. That's when everything starts to like fall apart. And you're just like, what just happened? And it's also the processing. They don't have the language and to understand, yes, when they're calm, they have it, but to know that when they, when they aren't calm, that's when they shut down. And that's when they need the scaffolding. That's when they need you to like step in and help. It just cracks me up. Cause this is like, we all know those friends as adults that one-on-one they're great. Like these are your go-to people. You throw them at a dinner party or at a, um, anywhere with like multiple people and they shut down. Right. So it's like, you know, think about yourself as an adult, what, what might this feel like? Um, and how you could translate that to working with your children. And, you know, thank you so much for listening. And I love having Carla here. These are just some tips that I keep coming up. And, you know, I have my book that just came out, Parenting with Confidence. You can check it out. There's all these things about how to repair, rewind, redo, um, to teach and things. My thing is this, if you keep telling your child not to do something, what can they do? 
right? What can they do differently? What, what are their choices? And then how can you teach them, you know, that they, to make friends and to be part of the community and things like that. That's super important. But I loved having you here, Carla. Oh, Thank it's always you. good to be with you. Be well, Vanessa. Thank you.